Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Brooks. Across from me, digitally at least, is Zach Reagan of Sports. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that's something you want to listen to on the reg, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple, Spotify. When you get there, great review, but most importantly, subscribe and if you do subscribe you won't miss our shows when we drop them on mondays and speaking of mondays, it is one right now as i live and breathe and it is 7 p.m eastern time that means that we are live on youtube and you can come over and hang out on youtube with us at the a to z sports national youtube channel uh and you can be a part of the show we love to get the comments in here and react uh react with everybody and, and respond to your comments so Come in here, be a part of the show. It's a ton of fun. The A to Z Sports National YouTube channel at Charlie underscore Burrows. That's Zach DNT at A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff that Zach writes on the old internet. And uh, that's pretty much it. You know where to find us. Well, well, well. I had a feeling this past week that um, I've had so few times in my life, Zach. Uh, I would go, and at, you know, 1998 with the Tennessee National Championship in football. I mean, I was I was a little too young. I mean, I I obviously we watched it, and I remember that much. Um, but I was still young, and so I didn't fully appreciate it. Then there was absolutely nothing for 20 years, and then I was at the SEC basketball tournament that Tennessee won. Uh, and that was awesome in Tampa. I was privileged enough to actually be there in the crowd. It was so great. What a joy that was. The Alabama game last year, I'm wearing the shirt right now. And then this past week, my boys, the Texas Rangers. I, I, I'm not sure everybody, if you're a new listener to the show, that probably is a curveball for you. But, uh, you know, long, again, family lives in Texas. When the game's growing up. Uh, Texas Rangers won the World Series. I can't believe it. And this this is so crazy because... Everybody talks about battered vol syndrome. We all have it. It's absolutely horrendous. We all know, you know, you, you're you always expecting the worst. Well, my battered vol syndrome is also battered vol and battered ranger syndrome because the 2011 World Series where the Rangers were down to the final strike in the World Series had damaged my psyche brutally. And then finally... They won the World Series this week. I couldn't, but I didn't think that could really happen. Can that really happen to Tennessee fans, Zach? Where it's where we actually get rewarded with championship? It wasn't Tennessee, so we're still waiting on that one. But can that really happen? I couldn't believe it. Yeah, congrats to to you. I'm glad you get to experience the the celebration of that as a as a Mets fan. I'm pretty sure I'll never ever get to <laughs> experience that again in my life because they find horrendous ways to lose a lot like tennessee has over the years ironically yeah, so but... we're both damaged in that way 
<laughs> the fact that you brought up battered ball syndrome, though, is kind of funny this week because we had two examples of Tennessee players or former Tennessee player in one instance kind of mentioning that kind of thing, like Tyler Barron talking about when he ran the fumble back in the UConn game, which we'll talk about here soon, that he had some PTSD from that Ole Miss game, thinking it might get called back. <laughs> and even Josh yeah. Dobbs, who I'm sure we all saw Josh Dobbs on Sunday, the miraculous, hadn't even practiced with the team. Incredible. Brings the Vikings to to the to a win against the the Atlanta Falcons. He said players were trying to like high five him with a few seconds left in the game, and he was like, "Hold up, give me this five seconds. <laughs> I've seen some crazy things before. He, I need to make sure." The, he's been the instigator of the crazy things with five. Well, seconds he's, he's left, been on both know, sides of it. I mean, he yeah. was there with the, the Florida and Antonio Callaway in 2015, uh, the Oklahoma game even in 2015, blowing a 17 point lead, and then obviously. Almost on that side of it in Athens when Jacob Eason threw that forty-some oh, yard touchdown to Riley Ridley, and we all thought it was it was over at that point. But that was I that mean, was the, Dobbs' best moment as of all for sure. The the Rangers got that five-zero lead in the eighth inning, which I I could not even believe was real. I was running laps in my living room. My wife could attest. Uh, but you're up five to zero in the ninth inning. I mean, the chance of you losing that game is really really small and i still was like i had like my shirt up like around my face i was like please wait like just begging for the game to end and i mean they didn't even if barely anything happened in that ninth inning they went on they won josh spores was great closed out the game <laughs> and it just i mean we're just i, I cried right after <laughs> That's like the, the, the wildest thing, of, you know, so many times in MLB, you see so many of these like 10 year, $300 million contracts and, and the Rangers, you know, did that with Corey Seager. It, it paid off like the dude had a tremendous yeah. year and he showed up big time in, uh, in October. And then Man. not to get too into the weeds, but Alex Bregman kind of throwing shade about the Astros mm. winning the NL West and Corey Seager, who does not say much at all, kind of clap back at him during the world series parade. That was that was fun to see. It was it was it was a yeah. compelling World Series, even though I know the ratings were kind of down just because those aren't huge market teams that everybody kind of is all over all the time. Yeah, some somehow at at A to Z, we actually have uh, another Tennessee writer and and fan who's also a Rangers fan, Craig, uh, and we who, who actually he went to Tennessee during some of the glory years there in the nineties. Yes, un unlucky him. Yeah, so he's he's now seen it all. Got a Rangers World Series. He was re he was really there for the national championship back then in '98. And uh, yeah, I mean, it just oh, it's why. I mean, it's like I said, it's a feeling that I didn't think I can. I mean, you remember the the Predators a few years ago that uh, they you know another Tennessee team. You got there, and then the freaking Penguins they to you know took you down. So. I couldn't believe it, but regardless, it was not a Tennessee team, so that's not what people came, came here to, to uh, talk about. So let's talk about Tennessee. Tennessee absolutely dismantled UConn over the weekend. We're going to talk about that. Obviously, we're going to talk about Missouri. And really, the, the thrust of this show is this final stretch. I mean, it's absolutely massive. It's basically going to be, do you make it to a New Year Six? Do you make it to the Citrus Bowl? Do you make it to the Music City Bowl? I mean, it's... I, I don't know. Maybe maybe the Music City Bowl is off the table because you're essentially guaranteed eight wins at this point. But I ah I I I don't know uh, how it'll end up. But we're going to talk about exactly where Tennessee's uh, going to go with this one right after I tell you about our good friends HelloFresh again, our our newest sponsor on the show. 
With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking fun, easy, and affordable. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. And the holidays are right around the corner. And HelloFresh can help take the stress out of dinner by delivering everything you need to cook up tasty meals right to your door. Saving you tons of time. The holiday season can be hectic, and that's why HelloFresh's 15-minute meals uh, can help out these quick fixes. Help you get a wholesome meal on the table in less time than it takes to get delivery. And everyone wants to cut back on errands and spending time in checkout lines at this time of year. So skip the grocery store and instead get fresh ingredients and delicious recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh. Just pick your meals, decide on a delivery date, and sit back. Me and Zach both have it. Uh, it's really awesome. Super convenient. Obviously delivered right to your door. So go to HelloFresh.com slash BallsFree, B-O-L-S-F-R-E-E. Balls free and use code balls free for free breakfast for life. This is a crazy offer. Uh, that's one breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash balls free with code balls free B O L S F R E E. That is HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. All righty. This Yukon game, um, I wasn't nervous, but. You know, there was a lot of talk where it was just like, "Oh, it's Jim Mora." They were they were they won all these one score losses that they've yeah. had. Their the, their only bad quote unquote bad loss was a, a like a forty ish point loss to Duke. But you know, Duke's a really good team. Yada yada yada. And so you know, you kind of got that talk out there. You're like, okay, fine. Tennessee comes out a little slow in the game. They they had to kind of rev up the engine a little bit. It was a noon game. They were probably you know, just wiping the, the sleep out of their eyes there. Uh, and then, <laughs> I mean, they just turned on the Jets play. It was an absolute onslaught from offense, but also defense. Three defensive touchdowns. And Tennessee wins 59-3, to covered by almost 20 points, right? <laughs> no, covered by, no, that's a 56-point win. You covered by more than 20 points. You covered by 21 points. The spread was 35. Absolutely insane. Uh, your quick thoughts on the game. Zach. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of, I've seen a lot of, it was it was just UConn, but like you said, they played a lot of close games. They're a better team than Austin P. You know, if they played Austin P, I think UConn would win by a couple of scores. So this wasn't, you know, a game that was ever really in doubt in our minds, but it was like, hey, you know, they could get also a slow start. It could be another sluggish game like that Austin P game was they play hard. Jim Moore has been around a long time coaching the NFL coached at UCLA. So for them to come out and just kind of boat race UConn the way they did and show no mercy, it was like watching one of last year's games. There was, you know, some of the touchdown passes that we were accustomed to seeing last season, Ramel Keaton just wide open in the middle of the field after kind of one of those switch releases where UConn had no idea what was going on. That's what we became accustomed to seeing last year with Jalen Hyatt. Joe Milton, you know, threw it to him in stride. He literally just kind of waltz into the end zone. He had the nice pass to Squirrel White over the middle where he was able to use his speed and accelerate to the end zone. Like you said, the defense, uh, the defensive scores were impressive, but just the defense in general, you know, keeping UConn out of the end zone, you know, not something that, you know, as good as Tennessee's defense has played this season, they've still been giving up scores to even, you know, kind of lesser teams. So it was a complete game. Joe Milton looked good again feels like they're hitting their stride right at the right time. And I don't think it's any coincidence that this team is starting to show its personality. 
a little bit. You're starting to see, see Joe Milton kind of get comfortable. Some of the swagger coming out that we saw from him last year in the Orange Bowl just feels like it's all coming together at the right time. And we kind of talked about that early in the season that, hey, this is a new team, a lot of new pieces. Cooper Mays out, your offensive line, you had to replace a couple of guys. Receivers, you've had some injuries. You lost, you know, arguably, you know, two of the best receivers in the last five or six years. It's been at Tennessee and Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman. Losing Darnell Wright, Byron Young, all these pieces that you lost. And, of course, Indian Hooker, the quarterback. So, to expect them to put it together from day one was never realistic. It's taking a little longer than I thought it would take. But starting in that first half of the Alabama game, that second half notwithstanding, we've kind of seen this team develop its identity a little bit. And they're that running team that's going to put a couple hundred rushing yards on the board against whoever they play, it seems like. And we're starting to see that passing game come out a little bit too. And they're having some fun out there. They're talking trash again, kind of like we saw last season. Who would have thought that the UConn game would be as chippy as it was? I mean, it started before the game even started, right? Like, yeah, UConn's talking trash. They, UConn was warming up on Tennessee's side of the field and they were getting lippy with hype. Well, it's like, you're one in seven. <laughs> what are you doing? I That was absolutely insane. And let's just say that win was for Pat Summit. Um, yeah, is it no Emma. coincidence that UConn and Gino and Mora, yeah. maybe there, it's just something with that program, I guess. And and yeah, I mean, and Jim Mora and the handshake after the game was really icy. <laughs> I like, loved it from Hypo, though, the little smirk. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it's, I'm sure he's just smiling at like the absurdity of that. It's like, what could, what would you think was gonna happen? What could more possibly? I mean, Hypo let off the gas at the very end. He could have pushed that final yeah. score into the end zone, you know, like he did last season against Missouri, and we heard about that all week leading into the unfortunate South Carolina game. I was kind of glad at the time I said I tweeted I was glad that Hypo didn't do that because I didn't want to hear about that all week. But after the little handshake and some of the uh, you know Mora's kind of I don't know how you describe that comment after the game about his team played with class before during and after the oh, game and, and showed a lot of class. Like obviously trying to throw shade at Tennessee. Like man, I wish they would have hundred seventy on them Shut after up. hearing all that. I don't know what yeah. that was all about. It was very odd and Mora. There's no no real pass there with Hypo. You know, he talked last week. He'd only met him once back when he was an announcer and called a UCF Cincinnati game. So there's not a there's no there's no beef there. I don't I don't know what that was all about. Yeah, it was really strange. I I really don't get it. Um, but you know, it happened regardless. And yeah, like like I said, that one's for Pat. <laughs> That's, I think that, welcome, I think all that though definitely played a part in Tennessee playing the way they did. I think playing with that edge, it's something that we've. We kind of sure. felt like they've missed it times this year. And that's something that I think every team needs that, that kind of motivation, especially going into a noon game against a team like UConn. So down the stretch with so much to play for. Hopefully we see more of that from this Tennessee team. I hope so. If, if they maybe they have that sort of give me a reason mentality. Just just give me a reason. All right. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll step it up. But uh this is this is crazy right here. I did just want to mention this. Brent Fisher in the comments. He says, What's up, fellas? I listen every week. But I called out of work today so I can listen live. Love how the Vols won by 50 for the first time this year. Uh, Brent, that's thank you. I, I will say that. Don't let us don't let us lose you money. <laughs> I don't, but, like uh, I, I am incredibly flattered by that. That's awesome. And I really, really appreciate that. And I appreciate Tennessee, listening every week. Tennessee basketball might win by 50 tonight, too. They're about yeah. almost 30 at halftime. 
Yes, start start out a little slow, start out a little sloppy, but they they got it together. They uh through that first uh that first time out at the under 16, it was only like 6 to 2 or something. They well, they only scored like 7 points in the first like you said 8 or 9 minutes of the game, and then they've scored 34 points since then. It's well, and it, hopefully obviously I'm not going to speak anywhere too soon there. Um but hopefully it's not like last year where they just go on these giant droughts of scoring. Oh, Lordy. It was, that was so brutal last year because you could just see the potential in this team. Now, I, I'll say that it, it really seems like Dalton Connect is – he wants to score the basketball, which is great. You didn't have any dude like that last year. Everybody was just, oh, you you take it. You pet. Nope, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. And it was just hot potato when somebody needed to score. Hopefully he changes that. But um, to, to finish up the conversation about uh, – the UConn game. I so we're we're gonna go into specifically Joe Nico, really Nico. Uh we got to see Nico for the most that we've gotten to see him this entire year. <clears throat> we got Crompton's rundown on it uh at the at the postgame show. So if you want to hear a former Vault quarterback uh give his take on Nico, go listen to that. It's on the A to Z Sports National YouTube channel. But um yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. But as far as this game goes, and just the general, you know, what happened, it was absolutely perfect in terms of what you want out of this. I mean, it's a borderline bye week for Tennessee. Most of the first string guys didn't play in the second half, or played, you know, just the the def- A lot of defense played in the I second think, half. I think Cooper but- was in on nico's first drive i know he wasn't on the second because okay. he's playing with like parker ball and a lot of the third string offensive linemen which i think is why josh heupel didn't get too crazy with the play calls in that specific drive but I, I do think he played on that one drive but i mean john campbell you got to rest him you know josh heupel said today that if this was you know a different type of game he would have played got to rest some other guys so not only did you get this huge win you got the you know, get some guys healthy going into these final three games of the season that are all SEC games. So that's just another great thing that kind of came out of this game. Yeah, it was incredibly set a set a record for most defensive touchdowns in a game. I I was actually at one of the games where Tennessee scored two, if I'm thinking correctly. I think it was Western Kentucky. Oh yeah, that was at that game. I that was one of the Bush. first games I covered uh at Tennessee in 2013 and that was where they turned the ball over five times in the span of six plays and I went back and looked because I couldn't remember how many they scored and they were close to a third defensive touchdown in that game one of the returns came up just short of the end zone so that would have been a one of the more rare oddities of the Butch era if, if they would have tied up a record that that came from you know one of Butch's first games I think that was his second game ever as Tennessee's head coach Yes, I t- some things really did happen with Butch. Not a lot of them. Were <laughs> yeah, there were things that happened. Uh, they, things things occurred with Butch, no doubt about yeah, it. That, that, guy, was- that guy's turning things around at Arkansas State after that disastrous start. They're five and four. They've won five of seven or so, something like that. And he called out the Arkansas State fan base for not showing up to the games this week. But you know, of what? course good, he did. Good, I mean, good for him in a way, right? Like you kind of want that for your players. Not that I'm. Sure. Give Butch too much credit, but hey, he, I get it. He was decent at at Cincinnati with Brian Kelly's players. I will give him that much. Um, he did. I mean, what he I, he won the Big East one of those years. If I'm the Big yeah, East, was was the like Big East everybody. Then? Yes, everyone had already left the Big East by then. Yeah, he he was beating <laughs> Georgetown. Villanova. I don't think George, Georgetown doesn't have a football <laughs> yeah. team, but. Uh, well, it, anywho, with this game, I mean, the, the defense was super fun. 
The offense was super fun all the way around. You got everything out of it that you really wanted to. So, so let's dive into one of the singular details of that game that I think a lot of people want to talk about. Nico Yamaliab. I mean, he, he got the most playing time that he's gotten throws a touchdown. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, Elias is already on it right here. We haven't even started talking about it. He said, I was a little dismissive of Nico until I watched the replay. Dude is incredibly confident, and it looks like the team loves him. Well, Zach and I will give our takes uh, on what we saw with Nico right after I tell you about Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans have been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some has stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health, dental, and vision for better coverage, better rates, and better service. Go to fbhp.com slash ATOZ or walk into one of their 200-plus locations across the state. That is fbhp.com slash ATOZ, Farm Bureau Health Plans. Thanks to them for uh, supporting the show. Go get yourself the health plan. Interesting little halftime going on with the basketball game right now. I just have it on, you know, on the side here. They they did an entire segment about Josiah Jordan James's book club. Uh, who knew that that was going on? Uh, and there, uh, I guess it's it's on ESPN Plus, so they don't have as many commercials to show there, or else they wouldn't be doing that. But uh, okay, so Nico gets to come in in this game. We were all so excited when when <laughs> when the defense. Got Tennessee up 49 to zero or 49 to three. It was 49 to three. Sorry. 49 to three. We were like, okay, Joe better not see the football field for the rest of this game. That second defensive touchdown, were you like, okay, almost disappointed that that was ran back because it meant it was going to be a little bit longer that you had to wait to see Nico? <laughs> I tweeted that I out a little I, bit. I, I yeah. said, oh, did you? Okay. Said, yeah. 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 I, I said, we're never going to get to see. Nico, because the defense won't stop scoring, and I put like you know laughing emojis on it. But uh, yeah, I mean, one hundred percent. I was like, boys, take it easy. We want to see the young guy here. Come on, he needs the reps. Uh, lo and behold, I think he he got as many reps as he was gonna get regardless. Oh yeah, this yeah. was the plan. Uh, so they brought him in. Um, and and as you said, if if you observe that correctly, he was with uh, Cooper Mays. On that opening drive, uh, throws to McAllen Castles for his first touchdown. You know, I, a few observations right off the top. As Elias said, he looks super confident, and that's awesome. But then on top of that, just his, man, his shiftiness. his And his awareness, his kind of feeling of like, okay, this is breaking down. I got to get out of here. Here we go. And it, it reminds me, obviously, of Josh Dobbs, because that's really the last guy that we had that was just truly slippery like that. Hinden, Hinden was good. He wasn't as elusive he it was a definite threat but it wasn't as like josh dobbs you were just like whoa he's like he could like a lot of hookers runs were physical where he just kind of had to knock yes. guys over exactly where josh dobbs it was more finesse it was like he's working around footwork doing this and that and and yeah you see more of that with nico he's very aware feeling the pocket that's great and that, that's cool i think in his time uh that will be an elite skill of his flat out Passing the ball, a little different, not bad. He started out for sure with jitters. He, you know, the balls just weren't right on target. But then, you know, he he finishes out with this great throw to McAllen Castles. Uh, everybody's super happy. It was a really exciting moment. What uh, what do you think of Nico? 
Yeah, I mean, I thought it was kind of everything you you hoped to see there. He definitely had a, some jitters there, missed missed high on a couple of throws. I thought it was interesting that his first play was kind of a touch pass to D. Williams, who we finally got to see on yeah, offense. Finally, uh, and and Josh Heupel said after the game that we'll we'll see more of that moving forward. So it's nice to see that's getting worked in. It'll be interesting to see how that evolves over the coming weeks, but. I mean, that was the thing that impressed me the most, I think, was just his awareness and the way he was able to navigate the field. I know Crompton kind of mentioned during the postgame show, like, it's just UConn, and and there's some truth to that, but it's somebody in a different uniform coming after you, and you've got to escape and make a play. Like, at the end of the day, if an opponent's coming after you and they're trying to get you down, like, however you navigate that, like, we've we've seen plenty of Tennessee players, quarterbacks, get sacked by Austin P, UTSA, those types of opponents. So it can happen. Those guys are on scholarship too. They're there to make plays as well. You gotta you gotta make kind of make those plays against those kind of teams. So just seeing that awareness, like he didn't panic. He knew where to go. It didn't seem like he escaped the pocket too early. Something else that Hypo mentioned uh while reviewing the game with the Josh Hypo show. That I mean it was just kind of everything you wanted to see. I think the biggest thing for me is just looking at him on the field. And it's not a fair comparison because Joe Milton is just a physical specimen, but he does need to bulk up a bit. I think he did look kind of, kind of, kind of thin. Still, would like to see him add a little bit of weight. I mean, he's a six-six guy. He's still a big dude, but if he can just bulk up that frame a little bit, because he's going to take some hits. I mean, running like that, it's not always going to be finesse. I mean, there's going to be SEC linebackers waiting to tee off on him, and they will. Like he's going to take some big hits. Every SEC quarterback does. That's the one thing I think this offseason, because he's going to be the guy, you know, going into the next season. He's going to need to do that this offseason and, and bulk up quite a bit. Shannon in the comments says, I love Nico uh, and look forward to his time at QB1. Tian Vall says, I like him. Yeah, it. there was nothing discouraging in what you saw from Nico. There was some stuff that was genuinely really exciting. And I think you just you see his skill set at the moment and everything points towards he is going to be a good football player at the collegiate level. Does it point towards he's going to be an elite dude that carries you to a national championship? Eh, I don't think we've seen enough to make a determination. Yeah, like we that. can't anoint that yet. I mean, how many top five quarterbacks coming out of you know the recruiting class don't pan out? Like that's always a possibility. Exactly. Fortunately, we've seen nothing from Nico so far that suggests that we've seen very little of him, but every time we've seen him, even in the spring game, when he made that incredible downfield throw to Ethan Davis, that was just right on the money. Oh. could not have been a more perfect pass. The escapability he showed in the Virginia game where he stepped up in the pocket and just barely missed the throw, but you just saw the potential there. Every time he's been out there, you've seen a moment. It's like, wow, you can see why that guy was the top recruit in the country coming out of you know high school. So that's, that's the positive there. Not yeah, enough, obviously, to anoint him as the next Heisman winner just yet. No, but you know one one of his big strengths in in high school was uh, the long ball, and we haven't seen any of that from him yet. Uh, and and that's you know that's the Josh Heupel special <laughs> is is uh, blowing teams up over the top of defense. So uh, I'm I, I'll put it this way: extremely intrigued, and I think you have seen enough to think and to to be able to believe that Tennessee's in good hands next year. Now, the 
the offensive line might be another story, but that's an offseason topic. <laughs> Hopefully Cooper Mays but, comes back. Oh, get that man an NIL deal. Lordy. Oh, please. Because because if he does come back, then the offensive line could genuinely be pretty good. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't come back, yeah, we'll see. But Yeah, you got to um, look for some John Campbells either way in the portal, I think. Exactly. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, that was just another big part of it is just how the the offensive line uh, has has looked better. John, and, you know, John Campbell's been a little up and down, and uh, just a, across the line, they've had their their moments. But you know, you look at that Kentucky game; that was one of the big things. They they really they really had some good moments in that game. So hopefully, that continues. Yeah, going those dudes forward. have been playing through some stuff. Mincy, yeah, obviously Cooper Campbell, Carrot's been in and out all season. Who knows if anything's up with Spragans? You know, I think you get to this point in the season, everybody's a little banged up. But Tennessee's offensive line's definitely battled through some injuries, and they've they've played well through it. Well, anything else about the UConn game before we move on to to this Missouri game, and really kind of want to have a little overarching discussion about the rest of the season too? But anything else? Zach? Were were you on board with? I know my feelings on this. I was completely fine with it because I understood the situation. Uh, were you on board with? Nico only getting those two series and then going to Gaston Moore. I thought it was the right call because, look, Gaston Moore's always going to be two snaps away from having to be the guy. So, I mean, I think those reps were just as important for him. I saw quite a bit of talk on social media, though. People were not happy about that decision. I probably would have given him one more drive. I, I would have would have just appreciated it because... But mean, with the third-string offensive line... Yeah, that's I a little... I mean, dice. it's... That's yeah, you don't want to... Don't don't want him to get hurt, for sure. I yeah. I mean, obviously, I get the strategy. It's very sensible. It's very precautionary, and 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 it makes plenty of sense to me. Do I want to see more Nico Yamaliava? <laughs> Without a doubt, I do. And so you know that that was tough. But uh, yeah, I I think you got to see a good amount, and it was a, a fun. Uh, set of plays that you got to see with Nico at least on that that touchdown drive. So I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I think it's hopefully it we we'll see a little more is. in that uh, Vanderbilt game. That game has some potential to to see the backups. Joe Milton got in against them last year. Yep. Uh, no, no, he started that. Well, game no, last Joe, year, I think. yeah, started, yeah, that's right. That was after that was after the uh, Hinden yeah, injury. Joe, Joe he would have been in that game. He would have been in that game though. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm um, sure Gaston Moore probably came in at the end of that one. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure. I mean, 56 to zero. It was such a beatdown in that one at, on all Especially the after ground. Herb Street put the Tennessee on upset alert for that game. Oh, boy. Freaking Herb Street. Uh, well, now let's. T- well, I was going to say, speaking of Herb Street, but actually, our game's going to be on CBS this coming Saturday. It's not going to be uh, not going to be the ESPN. Four, four CBS games in the last year of uh, the SEC on CBS. I, it's, I guess it's an honor because technically it means you played in the biggest game of the week. Yeah. But realistically speaking, I mean, Ole Miss Georgia is the biggest game of the week this this coming week, especially now yeah. that the Missouri kind of got their teeth kicked in by Georgia. But, uh, you know, we'll, I was yeah, I was kind of surprised. I thought it would be Ole Miss Georgia. It's just you know, Lane at some point this week's going to tweet something dumb or say something stupid to piss off Kirby Smart. And I, I mean, Georgia's going to win by. 30 Pro- probably maybe oh miss uh, is in a I, really I weird well we'll get into this here in a minute with the whole rest of the season how it can play out 
yeah, <laughs> there's there is a, a very funny possibility. If I'm thinking correctly, if Lane were to win that game, Tennessee beats Missouri and Georgia. Tennessee would play Ole Miss, I believe. No, no, no. Al- Alabama would have to lose. Alabama would have to lose another one. Alabama has to Alabama lose would... to Kentucky and Auburn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because they're that. non-conference loss to Texas. So they have to lose to Kentucky and Auburn. So Ole Miss, in theory, could win out and have one loss and not play in the SEC championship game. And then that that puts a whole world of possibilities in play. Well... Let's talk about that now. Well, not not Ole Miss is into the season, but Tennessee's into the season. <laughs> Ole Miss does factor into it. Yeah, the Ole Miss is out there. They're in the SEC. Uh, and we'll talk about that right after I tell you about our next great sponsor, Zen Sports. If I can get their info up here. Here it is. You've been hearing us talk about Zen Sports and the new sports betting app exclusively in Tennessee the last few months. And now we're excited to share some big news with you. When you sign up for a Zen Sports account, you will receive up to a $1,000 no danger first wager. That's right. When you place your first bet in Zen Sports, you can be reimbursed for the amount of your bet up to $1,000 max if the bet loses. But there's even more good news. Zen Sports is rolling out its brand new VIP rewards program. This new VIP rewards program will allow top tier customers to earn more bonuses, comps, and perks. The VIP program is by invite only. So if you feel that your Zen Sports play qualifies for VIP consideration, please check out the program details and apply at zinsports.com slash VIP, zinsports.com slash VIP. No other sports book will offer you a premier sports betting experience with 24-7 top-tier customer support and faster withdrawals like Zen Sports. So what are you waiting for? Get going and download their app at zinsports.com today. Zen Sports. Betting just got better. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. You must be 21 or older in Tennessee to bet Zen Sports. Go download that app because they're supporting the show. Um, Elias, how hilarious would it be for Lane to be responsible for putting Tennessee in control of its own destiny? That would really be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> ah, that would be great. Uh, big big shout out to Lane if he did that. Maybe would that make up for 2009? Let's start there. Would it make up for 2009 if Lane gave Tennessee the ability to beat Georgia, make it to the SEC's championship game? Only if Tennessee sees it through and and yeah, agreed. Missouri and Georgia. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just gonna yeah. be like, oh god, now I have to listen to how Lane Kiffin beat Kirby Smart. <laughs> you know, especially if Tennessee loses to Georgia. So yeah, we'll see how it all plays out before we can you know make up for for that debacle. Exactly. Oh, oh, okay. So Brent earlier where he said he, he called out from work to listen to us. He actually says oh, he has strep throat. So he called out for the strep throat. Okay. That's, that's much more sensible. I was like, don't, please don't let us lose you money by calling out. Yeah. I'd rather go to work than have strep throat, especially as an adult. That's, that's no, fun. that sucks. Sorry to hear that Brent. Uh, but he, he says, but listening live has been the best part of the day for sure. Really appreciate it. Um, great comments so far tonight uh, from everybody. Well, let's get into this. Missouri and Eli Dorkowitz Drinkowitz, um, as I love to refer to him as. Um, they're a pretty good football team. They got a pretty nice offense. Um, defense is a little more suspect, but you know they are out there, and they're what at, at this point eight and two, I think. Or no, 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 they have seven and two, seven and two. 
and you got to go to Columbia, Missouri, not a place that's known as a real powerful environment or one that's like incredibly hard to win. And in fact, Josh Heifel has already won in Columbia, Missouri in his career at Tennessee. But obviously this is going to be a much more jazzed up version of Columbia than you've had in recent years. They have stunk out loud in the past few seasons and now they're pretty decent. So um, this is not going to be a walk in the park. Probably not going to win. What was it last year? 66 to 35 or whatever it was last year 20 i think they only scored like 20 20. something yeah it was a pretty there was it was like close in the first half there for a little bit before tennessee pulled away yes i i remember that that's another game you know we talked a lot about the south carolina did south carolina have tennessee signals last season that missouri game is another possibility there for that conspiracy theory because that was after the kentucky game who knows you know what goes into all that but not really you know wins or wins losses or losses whatever with all that stuff but that is one of those games that that could have been affected by that whole scandal that's still ongoing crazy stuff still coming out about all that yeah hopefully all the details come out that that was one of the the funniest things because they said that connor stallions he he resigned and he said that he he hopes he just resigned and walked away and that he hopes michigan wins the national title this year and he hopes (laughs) wishes them the best it's like man that is a I hope to be as loyal to something someday as Connor Stallions is the Michigan football man. Somebody make that dude mad so he can write a book or something. Yeah, we we need to know the details. Let's see the manifesto. But uh, this interesting question and maybe a a place to start here from Brittany says, do y'all feel like Heupel just has Mizzou and Goofball Drinkwitz's number? Or maybe it's just a personal game for him. Obviously, there's history there with Heupel. He coached at Mizzou with... uh, was that that wasn't with Pinkle? That was with the last Odom dude. Barry Odom. Yeah, Barry Odom, um, and obviously had a really great uh, offense there with Drew Locke, and the, an offense that kicked absolute hell out of Tennessee uh, in whatever year that was. Yeah, the one, oh boy, what a year that was. Um, Scored a bunch of points year. in 2016 too. Uh, yeah, and and when Tennessee still had something to play for, I think that year, I think that game was like something crazy like 60 to 30 something as well yeah it's i remember that and and so there there's history there maybe it is personal maybe he's he's got a little chip on his shoulder maybe with drink wits maybe it's kind of like a beamer situation where they've they've just been compared a lot because they were in a similar yeah drink wits was a year before yeah i think drink yeah. lost to Pruitt in 20, yes 20 um but regardless, you know, they're, they're kind of in that same, like, oh, it's his his fourth year, Heupel's third year, how they stack up, yada, 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 that kind of thing. Um, so maybe it's personal there. But there's, you know, take all of that away. There's a ton to play for here anyway. Because the truth of the matter is this. You beat Missouri and you lose to Georgia. You're probably looking at, like, a Citrus Bowl. You beat Missouri, you beat Georgia. You're probably looking at... It's a, a BCS, whatever, the New Year's Six level game, uh, or or in this stupid scenario we just talked about, maybe you're looking at the SEC championship game, depending. Um, and it's well, no, you you wouldn't because that would. Oh no, no, that no, would be that would be two losses for Georgia. Sorry, yeah, yeah, that's right. If they lose the Ole Miss and and lose to Tennessee, then Tennessee and that game's after, I believe. I think it's a night game at. Athens or six o'clock game. So Tennessee won't know the outcome of that game when they're playing against Missouri. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one. As as I, I said, I, do, I, I don't have high expectations there, but 
I do think that comes into play too. I do think motivation. I mean, I, I'm a I'm big on that anyway. If you ever read anything I write, I'm huge on chip on your shoulder, edge, motivation, whatever it is to give you that little extra. You know, in that game when it gets in the fourth quarter, to really push forward and and to win that game and to to really have a reason to to fight through it. Missouri can no longer controls their own destiny. Like they need a lot of help at this point. They need to beat Tennessee. They need, I think they need Ole Miss to beat Georgia. Then they would also need Tennessee to beat Georgia. So there's a lot that would have to go right now for even more that would have to go right for Missouri, I think, to to win the SEC East. So they're kind of deflated. And, and Drinkwitz mentioned that after they lost to Georgia about how, you know, they kind of have to set some new goals now. So Coming off that Georgia loss, how do they respond? I mean, they haven't really been in this situation before. They've been five and seven, you know, six and six, whatever the, the case through the Drinkwitz era. They're not really accustomed to, okay, we can win the SEC East to, okay, what now? You know, they could still have a really good season. I mean, they're kind of in Tennessee yeah. shoes. They could still have an 11 win season, which I think really for Tennessee right now, that should be their main motivation because they do control that. They don't control the SEC East you know, landscape and what happens with Georgia, but they can win 11 games, something that only, you know, two years in a row with 11 wins that only happened once during the Philip Fulmer era. It was a little different back then because they only played 11, 11 regular season games. So it wasn't possible to happen quite as often, but still that's something that has not happened much at Tennessee ever. And that's very much still in place. I think for Tennessee, that's part of your motivation. And then, you know, beating Missouri on the road, kind of shutting up some of that road talk, even though you won the game at Kentucky. That could really kind of put a dagger in that narrative as well if you can go and win that game. So there's there's a lot of reasons for Tennessee to be up for this game. Absolutely. And and Shannon's point here said they they spent a lot of fuel in the Georgia game. They stopped trying with four minutes on the clock. They were thinking about UT. Maybe. I, I think for sure, you know, you they got beat up far more than Tennessee did against UConn. You even saw in that game, it was uh, which receiver got thought. It looked like he got injured in that game. Um, Burden uh, looked like he got injured initially, and we we were texting about it, you know, how huge it would be if Burden didn't play against Tennessee. Um, <clears throat> but I think he, he ended up coming back and was probably fine, but maybe not 100%, maybe beat up. Uh, an, an interesting point from Elias here. I hadn't looked at what, PFF had to say about this, but uh, he said they Missouri has some interesting tendencies looking through PFF metrics. They rarely run to the right, and Brady Cook's PFF rating drops 25 points when he's blitzed. Obviously, we know that Tim Banks is, I mean, he is a lover of the blitz for sure, and Tennessee's pass rush has been powerful this season. And to me, that's where this game where it all comes down to. I think Tennessee will probably be able to score in a way that's similar to the way that they did at Kentucky. It's going to be around 30 points. You're going to be, you know, somewhere right in there, 30 to 38, like that range. Uh, I would guess maybe 28 to 38, somewhere in there. Hopefully they can crack that 30 point uh, threshold, but uh it's, can you stop this offense from Missouri? That is really powerful. I mean, the, the Brady Cook to Luther Burden connection is better than any quarterback wide receiver connection Tennessee has. Uh, and so can you stop that? And the way that that has to be stopped is not in your secondary. No offense to the secondary. We've covered this plenty. You just don't have the dudes back there. You just simply don't. They got to come in 
through the transfer portal or through your recruiting class there and they're not here yet maybe they are here and they're just too young but you got to be able to stop them and it has to come from the pass rush it has to be living in the backfield all over brady cook and and really making him uncomfortable can they do that I, yes i think they can will they do that is obviously the you know primary question to me yeah i mean i think it's obvious that tennessee's going to blitz and, and blitz a lot especially with those numbers that Elias throws out there i'm sure Tennessee's seeing all that stuff. They know the tendencies. Of course, the risk with that is you blitz, and if he's able to escape the pocket, bad things can happen then when you blitz and the quarterback like him that can make plays with his legs. So that's going to be kind of a cat-and-mouse battle there on how Tennessee and Tim Banks defends that. Do you spy him? There's a lot of different you know factors that you go into making that decision and, and what you think is the right call. Obviously, not having Kamal Haddon is – going to show up a little bit in this game i mean missouri's going to hit some plays they're going to score some points this isn't going to be a game where tennessee's defense goes out there and just completely shuts them down i mean georgia didn't completely shut them down either it's going to have to limit the damage and and hope that you can blitz brady cook and force him into some of those bad throws we saw a couple of those throws against georgia that he made it was like all right did he panic there what are you thinking on that that's a terrible decision you probably need a couple of those i i tend to think tennessee's offense will score some more points than 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 you do i think they could get close to that 40 point range just because i think this offense has evolved you know you're starting to see i don't know if it's the playbook opening up more or if it's just the offense becoming more comfortable with each other we've talked about it before how the, the tennessee's play calls aren't necessarily traditional kind of taking what the defense gives them and, and its receivers and their quarterback being on the same page joe milton and these receivers seem like they're on the same page more often. Moving Dante Thornton out wide has really helped that connection. You're starting to see him kind of find his groove. Score. I mean, that opens things up just for the the rest of the offense entirely. And then, obviously, the running game. I mean, nobody's been able to stop Tennessee's running game. That's just the way the offense operates with the the wide splits. Nobody really wants to commit to stopping it because they're so afraid of getting burnt. And then with the with the passing game kind of picking up these last couple of weeks and us seeing some of those deep shots get hit, I don't think Missouri's going to – I don't think they're going to sell out to try to stop the run. So Jalen Wright's probably going to have a big day. Dylan Sampson's probably going to have a big day. I mean, these 50, 60-yard rushing touchdowns are kind of like the touchdowns to Jalen Hyatt that we saw last season where you can almost bank on one happening every single game. And I think we'll definitely see a couple of those or at least one – against Missouri and those are just backbreakers. Uh it's 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 even more deflating, I feel like, than a passing touchdown in that situation when you break off one of those big runs. It just fires up the offensive line. Everybody loves it. So I you know, I'm I'm feeling fairly confident about this game. I know Missouri's good. They played Georgia close last year too. For some reason they they match up well against Kirby Smart, but this is a such a completely different challenge for them. This Tennessee offense is nothing like the Georgia offense and said defensively, Georgia hasn't been as good defensively this season as they were last season. I'm not going to say that Tennessee's defense is, is on Georgia's level to this point because Georgia just still does have a lot more talent. But, that, you know, Tennessee's defense, that's like the number eight, 17 or 18 scoring defense in the nation. So I think they'll be able to hold their own against this Missouri offense. Yeah, it's, I mean, I I was looking through Tennessee at the moment. I, I think that I see that right. <clears throat> They have the number one rushing defense in the SEC at the moment. Yes. Rushing defense, Tennessee's allowing 97.33 yards per game. Uh, Georgia's allowing 100.33 yards per game. There's some to be said there about how, you know, 
Tennessee can be thrown on. And so maybe, and also t- Tennessee has been ahead in a lot of its games. And so teams are throwing more than they're running the ball. You know, there's a lot that goes into that, but <clears throat> uh, either way, you have to win at the lines of scrimmage. That's true in every single football game that's ever played. And Tennessee can here. Uh, I don't, I don't know exactly how the crowd will factor into it because you've seen, obviously, you can't can, be worse than Kentucky's crowd. Exactly. I mean, that exactly. That's exactly my thought. Because you you really got affected in the swamp. Then you go to Kentucky, and it's it's a decent environment. It's not great, but I th- I think the game was like nearly sold out, if not sold out, and like it was pretty loud there in in the old grocery store. And <laughs> like the crowd and, in Alabama is not why Tennessee lost that game. Yeah, you know, they handled it pretty well early. Exactly. You you had a had a two touchdown lead at the half at Alabama, and then you know, things came flying off the tracks for some reason, but, um, you know, you, they've, they've been up and down and playing in road environments, but your last road environment, you did well, you won the game and Missouri is for sure better than Kentucky. Are they leaps and bounds better than Kentucky? I, 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 I don't know. It's very different. Missouri plays a completely different style of football from Kentucky. And, and in that, I mean that, you know, Missouri plays a winning style of football sometimes <laughs> compared to the way that Kentucky plays. Um, but I, the win is there. That is the conclusion that I've come to when I've, I've looked at this Brady cook, talented, his wide receivers, excellent, specifically Luther burden. Um, <clears throat> they, the trenches are kind of a toss up for me, but that's where the game has to be won. Um, and can Tennessee do it? Yes. Will they do it? We'll see. And that's kind of the next segment. We're going to have to predict who's going to win this game. But before we do any anything else in terms of the preview for this one, Zach, before we get to the prediction. Yeah, I mean, hopefully Tennessee just kind of doesn't get too far in front of themselves thinking about Georgia and the rest of the season. Like, that's that's a game, that Georgia game. Obviously, you need to beat Missouri, but regardless of the SEC East, you drop those two games to Florida and Alabama, and those are heartbreakers and crushing because they were both winnable games, and you could have done something that the program hasn't done in a long time. But if you beat Georgia for the first time since 2016, especially if you beat them if they're coming off a of winning against Ole Miss and you're able to break that that winning streak that goes back to the SEC championship game in 2021, I mean, that puts this season where it's, you know, it's not last season because of just all the – you know, last season will always be special because it was the first season like that in so long. But it does put this season kind of where it stands alone as another one of those really special seasons where it didn't look like you were going to have that type of season early on, especially after you lost to Florida, especially after you struggled against Austin P. You know, that, that game can really define this season. But that game is, you know, November 18th. You you got a long time to that game. You've got to win this game to really make that game special because while it would still be special to beat Georgia and you get the 10 wins probably if you beat Georgia and even if you lose to Missouri, there's just something about, you know, finishing the season with an undefeated November that would really build a lot of momentum going into next season when you're hoping to really make some noise with Nico and some of these younger players that you're hoping can step up and play a big role. So, it's a massive game. Like I never thought that the Missouri game would be this big credit to Drinkwitz as much crap as we've given him over the last couple of years <laughs> credit to Missouri as well for kind of sticking with him. I mean, yeah, it, it's, yeah. 
college football programs fire coaches way too fast. There are situations where it has to be done, but you're firing these guys and then you're going to this pool of coaches where you have nothing that's proven and you're just kind of throwing another fish line out there and hoping that you you get a guy that can come in and turn a program around and be a Kirby smarter and saving. And the problem with that is you can't go hire one of those guys and it's a for sure thing. You kind of hire one of those guys and you find out down the road that you have one. Kind of like what Tennessee's done with Josh Heupel and he's still proving to be that guy and has to continue to build on what he's already done at Tennessee, but we never thought that he would be this type of guy. I never thought Kirby Smart would have the success that he's had at Georgia, and I don't think any of us thought Nick Saban was going to win that many national championships at Alabama. We knew he was a great coach from his time at LSU, but that kind of dominance for that long, I mean, college football programs usually dominate for like four years at a time, and then it's on to the next one. We saw it all through the 2000s until Saban kind of took over. So it's credit to Missouri for sticking with the guy and letting him kind of build his program. I, I think more programs should yeah. take that approach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, got a Georgia fan in here because he's scared of losing to Tennessee, so he has to watch Tennessee programs. Which, I mean, it makes total sense. I would be scared, too, if I was Georgia. You have to go to Neyland Stadium. It's the Tennessee hasn't lost there in two years. So, yeah, I mean, you should be afraid. So, um, no, I mean, this. I've, I've seen this guy before. He's been in here before. Uh trying to stir up stuff in our comments. Um, hey, it's easy to take shots at Tennessee when you're Georgia and you've won 25 games in a row or whatever it is. Like, you're on top of the world. You can take shots at everybody. I mean, what it is yeah, what but it the, is. I don't see what that, just, that that brings anyone, though. The thing that always bugs me with them at, at this point is because they stink at everything else. And so, you you know, Tennessee beat them by, like, 80 in basketball last year. And you go, like, ha you losers. And then they they just point back to football, always. They just go, it's all football. We beat in football. We beat about it. So you just – it's like you can't – football, like, trumps everything. So you can't even be, like, you guys absolutely suck out loud at basketball. You can't even say that. That annoys me. Um, anyway, let's finish with this because Georgia's next week. The prediction for this Tennessee Missouri game, and then maybe we can predict that Georgia Ole Miss game too. <laughs> but uh, we'll do that right after I tell you about rattle and snap Tennessee whiskey. Nothing goes better after a Tennessee sports victory than an awesome whiskey. And I'm talking specifically about rattle and snap Tennessee select straight whiskey. Log Still Distillery has a new uh, Tennessee whiskey line called Rattle and Snap, named after a long forgotten game of chance. Rattle and Snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There's a four-year and an eight-year version. Had both, shown both here on this show. They're both great in cocktails. Also great just drinking neat in a glass. So go get yourself a bottle in stores across Tennessee or also in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. You can find yourself some Rattle and Snap. Run, don't walk to get, uh, to get a bottle of Rattle and Snap whiskey and follow them on Instagram at Rattle and Snap Whiskey. Score update here for the Tennessee... Uh, Basketball game, 50-23. to 23. Tennessee leads Tennessee Tech with 11 minutes left in the second half. Uh, Justin Ganey just took it to the hole and uh, got fouled. There. Now I can take Bob Kessling's job. <laughs> oh, Lord. That, that, that was my audition. <laughs> uh, that's a can of worms I don't want to open. All right. No, no, we don't. But I think, yeah. <sighs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Okay, Tennessee, Missouri, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. We got to listen to Gary Danielson for nine hours and watch 
thousand commercials. Uh, but it's CBS game. It's one of the last CBS games uh, ever for the SEC. Tennessee will be involved in two of the last three. Uh, obviously, I guess the Iron Bowl is going to be the last one. You don't think it'll be um, Tennessee Vanderbilt? Well, not. I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, it is. That's one of the SEC's greatest rivalries. It is SEC SEC Vandy. Got to preserve one, that one. Yes, one one that really needs to be preserved. We couldn't just kick Vandy out of the conference because they don't uh, contribute anything. No, no, no. We got to keep them around uh, for the one of the great rivalries. Uh, <laughs> but t- Tennessee on CBS against Missouri. Um. Yeah, let's just get to it. What say you, Zach? Is is Tennessee going to win this one? I, I agree with you. They'll be kind of like the Kentucky game where the game's never out of reach, but it feels like Tennessee's kind of in control of it. That Kentucky game, even though they had a field goal attempt to take the lead, it just felt like, yeah, okay, it was never comfortable, but you knew that Tennessee was like in control of the game. I think it'll be that. On a little bit bigger scale, I think there'll be more points scored. I think Tennessee ends up winning. I, I've got them winning 41 to 27. I think they score some points. I think Missouri hits some shots and scores some points too. And maybe late touchdown kind of puts it away and, and Missouri's not able to respond. Okay. That's bold. Um, I I would say I'm not feeling great about this one. I have flipped and flopped in my mind in terms of what I think. I do think Tennessee is going to win. Um, and oh, and I'll I'll say this: people are already doing it here in the comments. But if you have a score prediction for us, drop it into the comments. We'll read them out. Uh, you know, as we have this entire time, we love interacting with you all. So, drop your score prediction in there. Um, I I do think Tennessee will win this game. the The environment, as we were kind of saying, Kentucky esque. It's just not you know just not known to be incredibly hostile, but it's it's gonna be tough. They are in, in enthusiastic this season, much more than they've been in past years, as they should be. It's a much better year so far. Um, but you just look at the history of this one. Heupel has just kind of had Drinkwitz's number. He just it's almost like Drinkwitz a little bit wants to do what he does. He doesn't run that same tempo offense and things, but he he wants to be offense heavy and and win through the air and you know Heupel obviously winning on the ground this year, but um, it's, it's just like Heupel just kind of does that better and he's won by 30 both years. So this one, I think they squeak it out. <clears throat> I think it is close, maybe even a little back and forth. Maybe Missouri has lead for a little bit. Obviously it would be to Tennessee's advantage to take a lead, hold on to a lead, make, uh, Missouri strictly air it out so that you could get as much potential for pass rush and getting to Brady cook as you can. I think that would be big, big, big. Um, and final score, I'll say, I'll say 34-30. Tennessee wins. They just out, they outlast them. They score one more time and and outlast uh, Missouri. It, it, you know what it could really be like? It could be like the first year against Kentucky, where it was that back and forth shootout, and Tennessee just made one more play. The one more play in that game, if, if I'm thinking right, it was the pick six by Alante Taylor and that one, maybe that's a differentiator here. That was the differentiator, you know, a special teams differentiated you from Texas A&M this year. You never know exactly what it's going to be, but just make one more play. And I, I think Tennessee can here. This team knows how to win. 
and and they this team knows how to win more than Missouri knows how to win. They've done more winning in the last two years than Eli Drinkwitz's team has. Uh, let's check out some predictions here from uh, the comments. Shannon says Tennessee forty two, Missouri thirty one. Here here's our uh, our Georgia fan here. He says Missouri thirty one, Tennessee twenty eight. <laughs> uh, Orange blooded American says Tennessee thirty eight, Missouri thirty four. Jay Lore says thirty three twenty eight balls and larry says 44 28 balls i could i mean kind of any of those i could see and i'm not going to be completely shocked but uh i i just think tennessee has what it takes to to outlast them <laughs> i guess we can predict here uh just for the fun of it georgia Ole miss i already said i think i think Ole miss gonna get their doors blown off i just they just i don't know man it's just not not there for me they they have won games this year and they've been impressive on offense. They found ways to win, but you know, Tennessee beat Texas A&M too, just like Ole Miss did last week. So I, I think it's going to be like 40 to 20, like just not, it, maybe it's, it's competitive right there at, at the beginning. Maybe Ole Miss has a 10 point lead at one point. Georgia's given up 10 point leads like a bunch of times this season. Um, you know, maybe they come out hot, but ultimately they they crank it down and steamroll them. It's in yeah, Athens. I kind of feel the same. It, it's in Athens. Lane doesn't really win big games. Georgia knows that they can win this game and, and put away the SEC East. I think they probably win by two or three scores at least. I think it's a – yeah, like you said, maybe a little close early, but <laughs> I, I think Georgia wins by probably 17, 20 points at least. That just – it feels like that kind of game. Like, you're going to get up for it. There's going to be a lot of hype just because it's Lane. They were on the same staff, him and Kirby Smart at Alabama. Could play into it a little bit. Kirby, Kirby knows what Lane likes to do. Lane knows what Kirby wants to do. But I still think Georgia would be too much for him. And I will say with the with the Missouri game, I think my prediction would have been different a month ago. But I think, I yeah. think Tennessee's starting to peak at the right time. They're playing their best football. And I think Missouri had already kind of reached that point. And it it does. I, I said that to Crump on Saturday. It's it's a little bit of like a basketball feeling where you're like, you're playing, you're playing right at the right time. Yeah. Um, it's you're you're kicking it into gear. I mean, uh, Milton is playing his best games. The Dante Thornton is is emerging a little bit. Maybe, maybe D Williams gets into the game. Maybe he can make some plays. You know, they they did exactly what I wanted. They ran the end around with D Williams. I mean, I think I suggested that on this show. It's like run the end around with D Williams, like Cordero Patterson, please, dear God. Um, and so yeah, maybe maybe that can happen. Give you some momentum going into that that Georgia game. If if you can win this one, obviously you gotta avoid injuries. That's tough to do in any SEC football game, but maybe can be done. We'll see. Um, but that's it. We both think Georgia's going to steamroll Ole Miss and the Tennessee's going to win at Missouri. We could eat crow on both here uh, in a few days. Possible. Shall see. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan. Anything else for the folks at home, Zach? I think that that about covers it. It should be a, a fun weekend. It's it's just nice that Tennessee's playing games in November that matter and not just trying to get to bowl eligibility or get to eight wins or something like you're. You're in games that matter. You're probably not going to win the SEC East because, like you said, don't think Georgia's going to lose to Ole Miss. But you've got a shot, at least. And that's really, you know, after the way that the season kind of started with those early season losses, that's all you can really hope for. 100%. 
Uh, <laughs> Elias said. <laughs> the real question is, will Lane Kiffin stay undefeated against Georgia? I was there. I was at that game uh, when when Lane kicked Georgia's teeth in back in 09. Uh, that was, that's a that's a classic vol memory for me. That was a really fun one because I was sitting in the Georgia section and there was some loser there that was barking at me and he didn't do a whole lot of barking um, when the game actually started. I don't know why, but uh, all right. Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching. Y'all are great. Comments have been on fire all all season long. You're too good to us. We couldn't do the show without you. Seriously. You're the reason that we're able to get these sponsors and get these bills paid. So Thank you, thank you, thank you for watching. That is it for us, and we'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later.